Well, welcome, Wilshire. We are glad that you are able to be with us this morning. More and more, as was pointed out by Larry, uh, our elder Larry, uh, as we started. Uh, Hoppy uh, and others have pointed out, we've been praying for the rate of COVID infections to go down, and they are going down, and we need to have a prayer of thanksgiving for that, I think. And uh, there are, I think, plans uh, being formulated for how uh, Wilshire will kind of uh, give notice to that and, and acknowledge that. But right now, I think we should start uh, with a prayer of thanksgiving for the positive direction these things are going. Let's pray just briefly. Dear God, thank you so much that we're able to be here together. Thank you so much for uh, the, the, the mercy that you have shown, um, and, and thank you so much that the rate of infection has come down. We're grateful for all those who worked very hard on that problem, our health care workers in this congregation, our health care workers across our city, our state, our country, and our world. And uh, Lord, we pray that that will continue, and we are grateful that we are able once again to worship uh, in this way in each other's presence. These things we uh, give thanks for in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, here we are looking at the writings of the gospel, uh, uh, um, the writings of John, he wrote the gospel of John, but here we're looking at his letters, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John, and look at chapter 2, that reading that Taylor did for us this morning is where we're going to spend most of our time. Uh, in John chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, he says, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is a message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him, and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. If you're not confused by that passage, I don't think you're really paying attention to it. I think John is deliberately uh, intending for you to go, what? What do you mean? Old, new, new, old. What, what actually are you saying, John? He says, this commandment to love is a big deal. It's an old commandment, and it has been given a new meaning. Now, it turns out I can't do just one sermon uh, about love uh, and cover what even 1 John says about that. John, this is a huge theme for John. Uh, he ties this to many of the blessings of the Christian life, this, this virtue, this character of the Christian to learn to love. Um, it, how are you going to feel on the day of judgment? Are you going to be scared? Rocks fall on me, hide me. Are you going to be happy? Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. I'm so grateful it's finally here. John says the big difference between those two responses is this, love. That's what he says. So how close are you to God? How much are you living out your character as God's temple, being one with God? John says 
We're going to look at this too later. It's love that is one of the key indicators of whether that's happening in your life and how much it's happening in your life. This is a big theme in John. we're, We're not going to exhaust it in today's sermon. Today, I want to focus on that That weird thing he says, this is an old command. I'm not giving you a new command. It's an old command, but you know what? It is new. It is new. What in the world does he mean? Well, let's look at the old part first. If you've got the handouts that we gave, you can kind of follow along with this. But first, I want to go all the way back to the old command. Leviticus 19, verse 18 is the classic statement of this, but it's implied in lots of other places in the old law of Moses, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as you love yourself, for I am the Lord. That's a classic statement right there. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, the law of Moses just states that in the middle of a bunch of other laws. And the rabbis, when they thought about it, long before Jesus says this, the rabbis, when they thought about it, they realized, you know, when it talks about don't go over and at night secretly move your fence post so you steal land from your neighbor, or don't go into the marketplace and secretly, you know, carve out a hollow in the weights that you're using to measure out the grain so you cheat your neighbor with how much grain you sell them and stuff. Don't do all those little laws. The rabbi said, most of those laws really boil down to this one right here, Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. So when Jesus says that, he is is following in that tradition that says this command is the command that captures almost everything the law of Moses says about how God's people are supposed to treat each other. And he's right about that, of course. He's right about everything. Here's the thing. This This is an old command. From the beginning, from the beginning, God has been working to create a community of people who love each other. It's not rocket science. He has been working to create a community of people who love each other. There's a lot of different pictures of what community is supposed to be like. How are are we supposed to set up human society? A lot of different theories about that, all kinds of different ways that that has been proposed, and more ways that it has been practiced. What is human society for? There are a lot of really famous, famous thinkers who, if you boil down what they tell you about what human society is about, it comes down to this. Human society is set up to create a pyramid where the few happy elite people can live full human lives and express themselves artistically and materially and in happiness and long life, supported by the great mass of the underprivileged and the slaves. That's actually the view of somebody like Aristotle. That's very close to the view of somebody like Socrates. 
That's actually a view that you find in Eastern and Western philosophies from various periods in time. That's what society is. It's about the few great ones sucking the life out of all the rest. And from the beginning, God has been saying, I have a different vision for what human life's going to be like. My kingdom, the community I'm trying to build, my people, my holy nation, it's going to be where neighbor loves neighbor, where neighbor has neighbor's back where we are looking out for each other. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, Jewish or non-Jewish. Actually, in this same chapter, Leviticus 19, a little bit later, it says, and you must love the foreigner the same way you love the Israelite. You must love the foreigner the same way you love yourself. Down in verse 30. That's what it says. I think it's around verse 30. You get it? God has been working all along. It's an old command. Now, it's a hard command. Jeremy Beller, in the communion talk, you went to meddling, preacher, I'm telling you. Because it is a hard command. And it's one we have a difficulty believing is true and believing we can actually live out. But it is one of the key things God is trying to do in all of us is to teach us to look out for each other. So this is true globally, and it's true right here in this building. I mean, you have people that you're closer to in this building, and you have people that you're more estranged from in this building, but God's vision for you is that you're loving the people in this building, practically taking care of the needs of, being concerned for them, looking out for what's going on with them and trying to help them as they try to help you get to heaven. That's an old command. But it's also a new command. How come? Well, look over in the gospel of John, this gospel that John wrote. John 13, 12 through 15, actually John 13 starts with this weird, weird event where Jesus, knowing who he is, I mean, John's very explicit. Jesus knows exactly who he is. He knows his relationship to the Father. He knows where he's going. He knows the authority that's been given to him. He takes off his clothes in front of his guys, strips down to basically a towel, and then he uses the towel to wash their feet. It's the job of the lowliest person in any community to wash feet. Feet are gross. They're gross in the 21st century. They were really gross in the first century. And Jesus is down there on his hands and knees, little water, little towel, naked essentially in front of his guys. It's a shocking moment. And then he says this, when he finished washing their feet, verse 12, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. 
Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you, have, that you should do as I have done for you. And then a little bit later, down in verse 34, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's some powerful stuff. That's some powerful stuff. It's an old command, love one another. God's been saying that to his people all along, love one another. Love each other. That's the kind of community, that's the kind of kingdom that God wants in the world. That's what we're supposed to be. And now Jesus comes. And all of a sudden we get a new vision of what that means. This episode where he washes feet, that's just one of the ways in which Jesus kind of put meat on those bones to help us understand what it looks like in practice to love one another. Love is such an overused word in English. It can mean all kinds of things. You know, I love barbecued wings, and I love my wife. I, sadly, I have to use the same word for both of those things. That's, that's, English is kind of impoverished that way. Jesus says, this is what love looks like in the God's kingdom. What is the job that nobody else wants to do? Who is the person that nobody else wants to talk to? You know, what is the issue that everybody is afraid to take on? What are the things that need doing that nobody wants to, to do in the community? That's what love ends up being. That's what it ends up being. Jesus says, I've washed your feet. You wash each other's feet. And the whole world will notice that you're my followers to the extent that they notice that you love each other. That's what's going to be the sign. Jesus taught us new depths of the old commands to love each other. That's what makes it a new command as far as John is concerned. It's an old command, goes all the way back, and it's a new command in this way. Jesus dies to express his love. That's the greatest expression, as Jeremy pointed out in our communion talk. And, and, and we learn from that just how far this command to love goes. And that early Christian community begins to live out one aspect of that love. I, there, there are several things that we're told about that first community after the day of Pentecost. I'll just pull out one little verse, one little set of verses. Acts chapter 2 verses 44 and 45. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over to it or it's there on the handout. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had in need. That is voluntary community of goods. That is so different than involuntary community of goods. 
so different. That has such a different flavor from some authority figure coming in and saying, I need to take what's yours and give it to this person over here. And the reason is, if I come in and take your stuff and give it to a poor person, that does take care of the poor person, but it does, it leaves you in exactly the same moral state you were in before. In fact, it may be, it may make you actually more hateful towards the poor people, more resentful. And what's the amazing thing about the day of Pentecost is that these Christians voluntarily gave up what they had because they loved these folks that didn't have anything that were part of their community. That means they helped the poor people that needed help and they also experienced growth in this dimension of love. It came from within them. And John thinks that that itself is a sign that they are close to God. The writer of Acts thinks that's a sign of the Holy Spirit. One of the things we know if we read the book of Acts is that these characteristics of the church, including this willingness to take care of each other, this is the acts of the Holy Spirit on the church. One of the greatest signs of God's Holy Spirit is a community of people who love each other. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit in a group of people looks like. We love each other. And so John, knowing a lot of that background, he was there on the day of Pentecost. He experienced that early Pentecost community. And now he's writing to these little churches that have had trouble in Ephesus. And he says this, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you've had since the beginning. This old command is a message you have heard, yet I'm writing you this new command. Its truth is seen in him, in Christ, and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. We have come into the light of God's spirit, God's new plan to make us into his loving community has already happened. The darkness is still in the world and people are still going to live in that pyramid-shaped community. But our community is following a different pattern where we love one another. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. John says, the two kingdoms are here now. Jesus' work cannot be undone. Jesus' work cannot be defeated. The old kingdom of darkness still exists. The old kingdom of self and selfishness is going to stay. But the new kingdom in which you and I, each one of us, is called to exemplify more and more and more of the love we saw Jesus Christ 
display, that new kingdom is going to win. One way or another, that new kingdom is going to grow and is going to conquer. And your struggle and my struggle is that today and this week and this month and this year, I notice the dark kingdom telling me I have to hate, telling me I have to revenge, telling me I have to bear grudges. And I come out of that darkness by the power of the Holy Spirit and into the light to say, no, because of Jesus Christ, I am set free to forgive and to heal, and to love. If you need to respond to that amazing invitation to be part of this kingdom of light that John talks about, if you need to receive baptism, then in just a moment when we sing, you can come forward and begin to walk in this light. If you have concerns that need prayers of the church or other things that you need to share with the church, you can also come forward. If there's something that we can do for you like that, why don't you come and tell us what we can do as we stand and are led in song.